everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior, IgA nephropathy warrior, and focused on food, fitness, and sharing the individual stories of IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Beth Koldrick, who's been living with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis for the past 11 years. Over the last two years, she's had four major surgeries and is now living with a stoma, raising awareness for IBD, and sharing her story and experiences to help others going through the same journey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Beth, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm excited to talk. Same. It's my pleasure to have you. So let's go ahead and get started with my favorite part of the podcast, which is hearing others' IBD stories. So go ahead and share your story with IBD and talk about your journey, your symptoms leading up to your diagnosis and when you got diagnosed. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of similar, isn't it? But everyone has different versions, I guess. Um, So mine really, I guess, started when I was about 17 or 18. Um, I'd just gone to university, so I kind of left school. I'd moved up to London, started university, you know, new friends, new environment. And as much as I'm a very sociable person and I was very excited, as anybody knows with IBD, change, stress, anything like that can just set it off. So that's kind of when I first started getting what I call, you know, like my major digestive issues and and stomach problems. Um, My mum had always said that since I was about three, apparently I used to complain of tummy ache every time she dropped me off at school, which again, I think kind of factors into the fact of the nervous system and being nervous of going to school and stomach and digestive. Um, So I'd had all of that. But then, yeah, when I went to university, I was just running, you know, usual running to the toilet, extreme gas, really bad wind. Um, I didn't really get into drinking alcohol till I was probably about 24. I did a little bit, you know, like you do when you're 17, 18. But every time I had a drink, my stomach blew up. It looked like I was pregnant. And I was just ridiculously uncomfortable. So that, like I said, that's where it kind of started. And, you know, you do the usual, don't you? You go to the doctors and you go to your GP and they say, oh, it's IBS, you know, cut out wheat, cut out dairy, try this. So, of course, I did exactly all of that. And I've always been a very fit, um, healthy energetic person you know eating well exercising into water sports so it just didn't feel right that I was so ill (laughs) through being healthy so um yeah it was just it was a nightmare so I only managed to do one year of university because it was just my illness it was too too stressful but I hadn't been diagnosed yet and what were the doctors telling you at that point were they just brushing it off, so to speak, in the sense that, well, you're you're under stress, change of environment. These are quote unquote minor symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what they said, because I think because this was when was this? uh, Yeah, 2000. So, I mean, of course, now, again, quote unquote, we're lucky that it's very talked about and, and and well known whereas of course back in the year 2000 yeah they put it down exactly oh you're young you you know you may be stressed and you know the graphic design course I chose was the second top in the UK so it was very very full-on um so I I get that 
but they just do the usual and it's you know no offense to the nhs but they <laughs> you know oh love them but they do palm you off constantly and i even hear that now from you know my ibd community on instagram that you know from people that say they've gone to the doctor and they've said this and said this and the doctors still haven't done a colonoscopy or a flexi sigmoidoscopy and you're thinking they've been dealing with this and they've had blood and so yeah they just yeah palmed me off so of course I left university after a year kind of trundled back home didn't want to be at home because I was young and I want to go traveling <laughs> I have to go explore the world I was the same way I need to go exactly. somewhere <laughs> that's it exactly you think oh I've just gone to uni now no oh gosh so that's exactly it so of course I, I didn't let it hold me back and I thought right so I moved to South Africa I lived in Cape Town for a few months and again, just managed my illness because I didn't know what it was. I just learned what not to eat, what to drink and, you know, not what not. And um, did that. I think I lived there for about six months. No. Yeah. About six months, seven months. But then came home because, yeah, I wasn't feeling very well. Did the usual, came home, worked a bit, managed my life. It was fine, but I got board so I then moved to Australia you're getting the gist of it <laughs> I'm just I'm a Gemini sorry if I left home when I was 18 and I think it's yeah. that Gemini traveling spirit of just what is out there <laughs> exactly and I think we get quite bored and yeah get I don't know don't like doing one thing or staying in one place so that's exactly it you get it I love it <laughs> So, um, yeah, I moved to Australia. Absolutely loved it. I lived there for four years. I uh, became a surf instructor. You know, I was surfing every day and, you know, doing waitressing and then working in a gym. I did all of this stuff. But again, still in the background, my tummy was bloated. I'd have to run to the toilet if I had certain food. But again, as anyone knows, like yourself, probably, it just became normal, didn't it? Yeah, you'd start to... It's it's amazing how much you really normalize things that shouldn't be that are not normal. And yes. so we just chalk it up to whatever might be going on at the time. And we brush it aside because our doctors have brushed it aside, so to speak. Exactly. That's exactly it. And it does. It just became normal that, you know, you get up, don't you, in the morning, you think, OK, well, I can't go too far because I need to go to the toilet. And so I couldn't. Yeah. Do you remember like you can't do things that are really early just because you need the toilet. And so I lived with that for four years and, you know, did training as a beauty therapist. So I did a diploma in natural beauty and nutrition. So that was wonderful. And speaking of speaking of nutrition, what was your diet looking like at that time? Because I know for a lot of us, you mentioned that you learn what to eat, what not to eat, and it's so different for everyone, but it's scary sometimes how much we cut out because so many things bother us. So I'm curious as to what your diet kind of looked like through these different journeys? Oh, absolutely. Well, just like you said, kind of everyone's different, but kind of similar as well. So I got on to, I mean, like I said earlier, I've always been very healthy. So when I say healthy, you know, I didn't grow up with takeaways or fast food or fizzy drinks or loads of chocolate or sweets. I was always very healthy. Um, so I carried that on into my late teens and early 20s. But then, yeah, what I was going to say, funnily enough, like you said about nutrition, is nutrition and skin is my thing. Like I'm obsessed with it. You know, I have a skincare brand now. So I've always been into nutrition. So, of course, studying it 
I got really into it, which meant, oh, okay, make sure I have, you know, that amount of blueberries and walnuts and make sure I have garlic and make sure I have a bit of this. So I had this wonderful, colourful diet, massive variety, which, of course, was making me worse because answer to your question... The things I definitely worked out were nuts, garlic, onions, tomatoes. I think this was back in the day, uh, alcohol, and there was probably some other, maybe peppers as well, and maybe melon off the top of my head. So those were kind of the main foods that I knew irritated me. But apart from that, yeah, I had salads and I love fish and I eat meat and um yeah, I was had fruit, so I did have a nice variety. But I think because I got so into the healthy and, as you know, like high fibrous foods, oh my gosh, I was not good. <laughs> so yeah, running to the toilet two, three times a day, then kind of got to six times a day, then it got to, of course, yeah, running and blood, and then being sick and fainting and passing out so that's where my then journey I guess began with diagnosis because I then went home I was too ill in Australia so went home was really ill I I mean I was always about a size 10 12 UK so about I was about probably 68 kilos but I dropped down to 60 and I'm five foot seven so I'm tall and I my weight just went So, yeah, went home, got rushed to hospital and, of course, there and then did colonoscopy and said, you got Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Wow. So they diagnosed both at the same time. Both at the same time. And, of course, so there and then I was like, what? What's? And weirdly, being into health and nutrition, I hadn't, I think I'd read about it, but not really known. So, of course, like anyone, like yourself, probably, it sounds weird, but when you get that diagnosis, you have such a sense of relief that you're like, oh, thank goodness, it's not in my head. There is something wrong with me. (laughs) Did you get that? That is exactly how I felt when I got my diagnosis, because it is it is frustrating and it does mess with your mind when you you know there's symptoms you're having that are not normal. And so you go to the doctor and you tell them, you know, X, Y, Z, and nothing comes of it. And you wait another six months for your next appointment or a year for your regular physical appointment. And again, it's, you know, you tell them X, Y, Z and nothing changes. And so you start to think like, am I just, am I exaggerating? Am I, is this not a big deal? And so it messes with your head. So when you do get the diagnosis, especially for me, just like you said, it was just this relief of good. Like now I know what it is. So now let my mind start working out. What can I do for it? How can I take control of what little things I can? So that is exactly it. That's it. You do, you think kind of, yes, I've got it now. So plan B, right. Let's, try and get better isn't it so I think as you know so again yeah so got diagnosed and again same as probably everyone else you put on shed loads of steroids and loads of medication which weirdly looking back again like most people I then felt amazing I I remember going for dinner with my friends and thinking oh my gosh I've just eaten and had wine and my stomach is not swollen. And I was just, I was beyond like happy. 
it was insane so that was wonderful to start with and then again yeah to kind of go on to the main story but not like too much to start with I guess um I was on the drugs it kind of balanced me out I worked out what irritated me what not and I was able to lead again quote normal life um working for myself so I was working at home which was ideal and yeah the symptoms kind of just dulled a bit you know I still went to the run not run I think I ran to toilet maybe once or twice a day but kind of went to the toilet a lot but you know I was still able to exercise and eat and drink and work um so yeah that's kind of the journey up until then the point we'll talk about in a second when it literally s-h-i-t hit the fan <laughs> literally <laughs> I feel like for most of us there's always like that episode that is kind of the the turning point or just a, a milestone good or bad it's a milestone of when the big episode happens and it's a it it's a life changer so yeah so tell me about that it sounds like you're doing pretty good for a little while there and things were getting back on track and then then it just exactly that. So I think if I go back quickly as well to, you know, just before I was diagnosed, because I forgot to answer your question. So before I was diagnosed, when it got so bad, I was literally, like I probably said, running to the toilet eight times a day. But again, without being graphic, you know, it was lots of blood in the toilet. I was throwing up. I was um, fainting. I was passing out. I just, I've never been so ill in my life and it was horrendous. So, of course, that was before the diagnosis. Um, and then, yeah, carrying on, I kind of, like I said, lived for a few years, you know, in and out of hospital like you do, don't you have to have your checkups and maybe um, change your medication a bit if it's got, you know, if it's worn off and it, you're getting used to it. And I think looking back, I probably went on a course of steroids twice a year, I think, yeah, twice a year for me for until I had my stoma. So for 11, 10, 11 years. So that's a whole other story, isn't it? Um, but yes, yeah, so I kind of carried on. And then the in and out of hospital started getting a bit regular. And it was kind of going from every seven, eight months to every three months. And then I did the usual, like, again, a lot of people do in the UK, which they probably do in America, you try all the oral medication, don't you? Pentazem, Acaptopurin, Allopurinol. And then they kind of stop working. So they think, right, let's hit it with the biologicals. So the infusions. So I tried Infliximab and Vedalizumab. Oh, that was it. Vedalizumab, I think I was on for 18 months, which kept me quite level, which was good. But yeah, Infliximab didn't work. Um, so did Vedalizumab for 18 months. And again, I was okay. It was, I was still leading, you know, running a business, seeing my friends, had a boyfriend, like everything was okay. But then, yeah, the end of 2018, um, again, stress situation. I had to close down my beauty salon because I was too ill. I was like I said, literally passing out in the toilet. You know, I had all my lovely beauty girls and I had to kind of message them from the toilet. Like I can't, literally can't leave the toilet because I'm going to the toilet. And um, I remember passing out in the toilet, you know, my my team had to, you know, call my parents to, and it was just, oh, it's hell looking back. So I then 
went into hospital and then again as lots of people probably know you go on a steroid drip so an actual IV steroid drip so I did that for 10 days I was there in the morning came back to work saw my clients which my doctors went mad about then went back for the steroid drip and we thought that was helping but again with steroids you know what they're like the change on your body I mean physically I just ballooned up um I had major brain fog I just I felt like I was on drugs I know I was but I just was like whoo I could I wasn't myself um so that was 2018 and then 2019 yeah it just there we go game over I just couldn't do anything I didn't I hadn't left the house properly for probably eight months because I physically couldn't be two meters from a toilet um and then it was the beginning of 2019 my doctor said right I think we need to talk about having a stoma now and was that going to be your first surgery like you hadn't had any before this correct no that's exactly it so I, I had been touch with lucky I hadn't had any surgery up until then. Um, And I think the more I speak to people and you probably the same, you'll work it out. And when you speak to people, don't you, that it's kind of like 10 years. I feel like a lot of people get to 10 years with Crohn's or ulcerative, mainly ulcerative colitis and then have an operation. It's really bizarre. Everyone's 10 years. So yeah, I've got to 10 years. Um, We of course talked about it. And again, really naive I didn't really know what a stoma was so straight on YouTube thank YouTube (laughs) and I um I was amazing I googled what's a stoma and all these incredible videos came up you know Hannah Witten who's a UK kind of she has a stoma I don't know what you want to call her just amazing ambassador for stomas so I binge watched all of her videos uh you know in tears but also relief because I was watching and thinking, this girl's amazing. She's so lovely and happy and traveling and she's got a stoma and there's me, no stoma, not being able to leave the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. And that right there is why I love that so many people are sharing their stories and their journeys with IBD, because I know for me, the first thing I did was I went to Google and, you know, now we've got YouTube and videos and just so many resources for newly diagnosed, or maybe you're not newly diagnosed, but it's a new part in your journey. It's a, it's a surgery or something new has happened, but we get to hear it from each other. And that makes such a difference. It does. And that, and that's what I've said to so many people and, you know, and my doctors and nurses that the main source of information I have is not my IBD or stoma team it is my Instagram community (laughs) I honestly and again loads of people probably the same but the first thing I do if I have an issue with my stoma or I have a question I go to my friends on Instagram because they have one and they understand and like you said it's so lovely you know having all of that there so I think yeah we are so lucky that we've got all these people sharing the story so I think I came away from it feeling a lot more comfortable. Mum and dad were, of course, very upset and, you know, very sad. But I had to say, no, this is fine. This is a good thing. Like, it's going to be a bit difficult, you know, having surgery, but this is good. So, yeah, of course, um, that was April. um, But then I couldn't have the surgery straight away because I'd already got back surgery (laughs) scheduled in. 
not related to IBD, <laughs> related, I hope. <laughs> not related at all. My gosh. So I'd had, yeah, I had to have back surgery in June of 2019. But of course, we had to make sure I was off all the steroids because, you know, you can't have an operation if you've been on steroids. Um, and my surgeon was amazing because he'd actually used to work as a gastro surgeon. So, of course, doing my back surgery, you had to go in through the front. So which is weird. You wouldn't think so, but you go in the front. So he had to be really careful to push my bowel, my large intestines, my small intestines aside because they were so inflamed. It was just like tricky, but he did it. Wow. <laughs> we have some amazing surgeons out there and thank goodness for the incredible yeah. medicine that is out there. That's it. I don't know how they do it. So yeah, I did that kind of recovered from back surgery. And then yes, I had my stoma, my loopy leostomy in September, 2019, had the surgery and weirdly, you know, my nurses will tell you, I was so happy. I was not sad. I wasn't crying. I changed my bag. Like the first day I was out of surgery, the, the nurses couldn't believe it. Because you'd watched all the YouTube videos. Yeah, you know how. <laughs> I said to them, I said, I've watched all the videos because no offense, you haven't really shown me what to do because of course you really can't because you don't have a stoma, but they didn't bless them. They weren't very helpful. And I just felt, I just felt like that was, this was it. This was going to save, you know, save my life, get my life back. Um, so yeah, I had a loop heliostomy. Um, so for, for those of you that don't know what a loop heliostomy, so this was kind of like the, the first surgery where they don't remove anything. They literally, and sorry to be graphic, they literally, yeah, go in, they um, cut your small intestine and then bring both the tubes out of your stomach and sew them. And then you put a stoma bag on. And the idea is with that is that hopefully with some people it works. The idea is to rest the large intestine and your rectum where all the disease is. So thinking if you, you know, if you haven't got any disease in your small intestine, the food will go through into your bag and hopefully you'll feel better. <laughs> However, it did not work for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had my stoma and September and then, yeah, about six, seven weeks later, I was still rushing to the toilet because my rectum was, of course, very, very diseased and very inflamed. So the doctor said, you know, you've got ulcerative colitis. It is really bad in your large intestine. So I think we should remove that. Um, but don't worry, that doesn't mean your stoma is permanent. I wasn't care. I didn't mind. I was just <laughs> like, just get it out of me. <laughs> so, yeah, so then they remove your large intestine, which, again, like we said, I don't understand how surgeons can do this. It's just like, that's a big organ, isn't it? It is. <laughs> like crazy. So I had that removed and, I, and immediately I felt better. Immediately. I really did feel better. Um, I, it sounds silly, but I literally felt like the disease had been taken from my body, but it, it had. Yeah. Oh, in a way it really had. <laughs> it really had. And actually the surgeon said as well, he said he hadn't seen a large, like an inflamed diseased bowel as bad as that for a very long time he said it was very swollen and which is weird because you know we have these regular colonoscopies don't we and and everything you think did you not see that <laughs> <laughs> what good is the colonoscopy if I can't yeah. if you can't see it 
like surely you should know that oh my gosh um so yeah so no they removed that which was great but then again that was so that was November 2019 but unfortunately you know when we got through Christmas I felt well you know went on my first holiday with the stoma in February um but again I still had my bum so I still was having to run to the toilet and had blood leaking from my bum unfortunately so then came the final big decision again spoke to loads and loads of other people with permanent stomas because the option I then had to make was do you have what's called a j pouch I don't have you heard of that I've heard of it but go ahead and describe it so a a j pouch is where they of course will remove your stoma so you won't have a stoma but they attach your small intestine to your rectum but make what's called a j pouch so they kind of almost make a large intestine oh it's weird out of your small intestine so that you can still go to the toilet from your bum but it's not going to be absorbing the liquid so you're basically still going to be rushing to the toilet and again everybody's different I hear some people manage a j pouch really well some don't And I did a lot of research. I went to see a top surgeon um, and Crohn's ulcerative colitis specialist here in the UK. And we had a big chat. I spoke to the head stoma nurse there. And after speaking to both of them, they made it very clear that I've managed my stoma well. And I can't remember the percentages, but it was a big percentage of people that have a J pouch get reversed back to a stoma within so I think it was like five years or something is a very big percentage so I thought well I could either have another operation and it might work or I could just have another operation and know what I've got mm-hmm. so I'm yeah I made the really tough decision but easy decision to just have yeah have my bum removed have it stitched up my my stoma is now permanent and um not going to lie, it's not ideal because there's so much. Like I can't lift stuff. I can't eat raw beetroot. I can't eat nuts. Uh, there's a lot of things I can't do, but I have a life and I can, you know, walk my dog, go out with my friends. I can drink, I can eat and nobody knows I've got a bag on my tummy. And that is my journey. <laughs> That's amazing. What kind of, just because we were just talking about the surgery, what kind of advice would you give to people who might be facing that same situation having gone through it somewhat recently in the past few years but what would you tell others who might be facing that decision absolutely so decision of potentially having a stoma yeah I think oh gosh it's really really tough because I know everybody manages it in a different way but me personally my personal advice would be if you are running to the toilet constantly you are being sick, you are fainting, you have no life and you feel horrendous, I can hand on my heart say that having a stoma is such a better option. Honestly, and and in this day and age, you know, again, we see it on Instagram, the bags are so discreet, they're so clean, they're so tidy and it is a big surgery, you know, I'm not going to lie, they are, all of them, they are very big surgeries, but you get through them. And I think anyone, like we said, with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, all the rubbish and the horrible stuff we've been through, you will get through the surgery. So I would 100% suggest or, yeah, say that it's, it is, it's a good thing to have, definitely. But it's a big decision. It is. That's great advice, though. 
So you had your surgery and you got your life back. So tell me a little bit about what happened since then. And I think this is the part where this kind of morphed into your new career that you have now. So go ahead and start talking about how your life changed after that surgery. Yeah, absolutely. So again, like I touched on briefly earlier, I um, I did my training in Australia to become a natural beauty therapist, which funnily enough, I fell into because of my tummy issues, because I wanted a job that wasn't stressful. Oh. <laughs> that, that is, it sounds so silly, but I've always been into skincare, but I, you know, I'd done graphic design, which was like I said, was a big, difficult degree. Then I went into sales and marketing, which, of course, had targets and was stressful. And I thought, okay, this is getting ridiculous now. I need to do something that's chilled. Ah, I'll be a beauty therapist. (laughs) And honestly, it really, really was, honestly. And I only stopped seeing clients back in October. So, yeah, so back then I became a beauty therapist. Like I said, I came back to England and I set up my beauty business and I was doing that full time from home absolutely love being a beauty therapist and I still say to this day I said to my friend the other day if I didn't have oh I hate saying it my illness or this illness I would still be doing it part-time as well as my main business because it was just wonderful absolutely loved it so yeah so I did I did that for years and of course the only reason I had to slow down and stop was because of my Crohn's and and ulcerative colitis because it was just getting to the point again like the salon I was having to text my customers my clients from the toilet because they're ringing on the doorbell and I physically couldn't come in and it's it's laughable now but it was not good at the time not funny then Um, not funny then I can laugh at it now um so yeah so I I was doing that and then I started thinking right I, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, I can't be a beauty therapist anymore. This is just, and this was, yeah, this was before my stoma and then kind of during my stoma because it was just, it was just getting too much. So I then started thinking, right, I want to work out a business that's still in skincare and beauty um, that I can do from home, but I don't have to see anybody on a particular time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I then thought, skincare now I'd become a formulator so I started making skincare products back in 2012 so I'd already learned how to do it and what kind of prompted that passion where did that stem from good question so um I think as well like I've always watched my mum like she's always been into you know she's she's it's weird to say she's a very glamorous person but not showy glamorous if you know what I mean she's just loves you know just looking nice and and I always used to watch her as a little girl you know put on cream she always used to put cream all over her and on her feet and I don't know I always kind of watched that and ironically I used to sit in when Sam I remember her name her beauty therapist used to come to the house and wax her legs and then I became a waxing specialist so there was that but then when I lived in South Africa my boyfriend at the time's mum was a beauty therapist And she got me into skincare and really taught me a lot about the ingredients and, you know, how to cleanse and how to tone and moisturize back then and all that. And I fell in love with it then. So I think that's why I got into beauty was the skincare side of it. Um, But it just turned out I was a really good waxer. (laughs) So and that's a regular thing. So I was like, okay, I'll just do the waxing. Um, So, yeah, so I, yeah, but 
came into beauty through that and then started making skincare products in 2012. And then again, as everyone knows, that's been on drugs and medication, your skin gets really sensitive, doesn't it? Oh, especially with steroids, it gets really dry, really irritated. So even though I had all my wealth of knowledge and I had, you know, I've been using organic products since I was probably 23, I couldn't find anything. It's like, you know, the classic story. I couldn't find anything that would fit and would look after my skin without irritating it. So that's when I thought, oh, okay, I'll make my own, which I did. And I created a face cream and a face balm. So for morning and night and they blimmin' worked. My skin just was so much happier. And I remember every time I went in to have my infusion, you know, I sat in a big room with all of these really poorly people, like old people having blood infusions and some younger people my age really ill. And I remember the nurses like, sorry, what? are you like are you meant to be here and of course they got to know me because I was in there every eight weeks but they everyone used to say but you look so well your skin looks so well and I was like well that's because I'm yeah I know what I'm doing looking after my skin um so that was wonderful and then of course that's when I decided let's do this properly let's do this as a business so that's when yeah I I launched my skincare brand the middle end of 2018 so right before you were doing the stoma surgery, is that yeah. right? The timeline? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that was the annoying thing. I'd literally launched it. And then a few months later, I was ill. And then I was in hospital. So yeah. how did your skin look then? Still great? <laughs> it was still doing good. It was still doing good. Honestly, and all the nurses were so sweet because I was there after my surgery. I put all my balms on. <laughs> And I gave them loads. <laughs> it was just, it was hilarious, honestly. But it, yeah, it was amazing. So I think answer to your question, I've probably gone off on a tangent, but I set up the skincare business. I was still seeing clients, but I was in and out of hospital. I was having surgery. And I think my business and my clients and my skincare business just got me through because it gave me a purpose. So even when I was in bed, you know, quote, resting. I was on my laptop working, which I got told off about a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. It makes a difference to have something that you're passionate about, though. And and I I feel that every time I do one of these interviews and I get to speak with someone else who has IBD, it's so exciting. Even on the days like you, you said you're not feeling well and you're in bed and you're typing. But when it's something that you're passionate about, you're just driven to do it. Definitely, definitely. And that's it. And even to this day now, you know, I still don't feel like it's work. I mean, don't go wrong, I'm very stressed at the moment because there's so much to do. Um, but it's a good stress. But yeah, I think it was amazing. It got me got me through all my surgeries. And yeah, now I like I said, I stopped seeing my waxing clients in October. Um, again, not because I wanted to, because I just physically couldn't do both of them um whereas now I do my skincare brand full-time and of course with a stoma um it's it's fine but I'm not gonna like it's difficult because having a skincare brand that I make as well you can imagine I buy things in 25 kilo drums and big five kilo so it's heavy stuff that I can't move (laughs) 
so I have to wait for my mum or my friends or something to lift stuff. So it's a bit tricky, but it's wonderful. And yeah, I'm now, like I said, yeah, working. I've got my stoma. I have to just be super careful with certain foods. Um, but I, yeah, have got my life back. Definitely got my life back, which is good. Yay. <laughs> That's amazing. What is some of the other advice you would have for people for balancing? Because it sounds like just from listening to you, like you've learned to lean on other people to ask for help, like carrying up those big, heavy drums. And you've recognized that you can't do both things. You have to kind of choose one and focus on things. So what are some of the other things that you're doing now that's really helped you to balance life with IBD, running a business and living your best life? Oh, definitely. So just like you kind of said, balance, I have finally realized that I can't do too much. (laughs) And I think weirdly, my surgeries were a blessing in disguise because they forced me to slow down. So I think definitely now it's just everything. Yeah, everything in moderation, everything in a balance. So I know if if I've got a busy day making products, labeling, packing orders, I know definitely that I can't go out for dinner with my friends or I can't go for a run or, you know, go and do a big workout. And I think that's something that has been very hard is that I've, like I said earlier, I've always been a fit, healthy person, but the last three years I've been living as up to a size 20. So my biggest weight, because the steroids got to 110 kilos through no fault of my own. Like I literally eat like a sparrow most of the time. Um, it's going down now, which is great. Um, but it's been very difficult not being like, yeah, my body's not allowed me to work and exercise and socialize in one day. So I think that's, that's what's been tricky. So I, I try to balance it now that I do yoga most days because that's my kind of norm with a lovely lady from Texas who everybody knows yoga with Adrian. Oh yes. (laughs) I've heard of her. I've done a couple of her videos. She's on YouTube. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Super famous now, but I've been doing her yoga classes for, oh my gosh, six, seven, eight years, I think pretty much every morning. So I've learned that's kind of my non-negotiable is I do that. You know, I walk my dog as well. And, and then now I'm getting back into exercise and trying to do that as well as yeah, running, running my business. But I guess the advice would be is just, yeah, don't, don't beat yourself up because when you've got Crohn's colitis, stoma, ostomy, you know, I hate to say it, but we're not normal and I hate the word normal, but it's okay that you're not doing everything. And I think as well, again, you're probably the same. You start to learn who your friends are as well, because of course, when you are ill, as you know, last minute, you sometimes are just too tired. There's Mm -hmm. just nothing in the tank and I'm better now, but previously I had to cancel loads of times because in my head, I was like, oh yeah, cool. I'll see her then, her then, her then. It gets to Wednesday and I'm like, I know I can't do this. <laughs> um, and that's that's how I still feel. So I have to be very mindful in my diary of, you know, if my friends say, oh, when are you next free? I need to go, well, actually, let's leave some time for me, not work and friends. I can see you in, you know, two weeks on a Wednesday. So I think, I think that's my advice, um, yeah, to anybody living 
yeah, with this, well, you to a stoma or, or Crohn's and stuff is just balance and yeah, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> That's great advice. I find myself doing a similar thing where in my head, I think I can go out and I can do all these things and see all these people, but I've learned I really have to have, if I have a one full day, I need about two days alone, not going anywhere, just at home to recover and fill the tank back up because I, as much as I want to, <laughs> yes. I, just, I can't. That's, that's exactly because you were diagnosed, was it 2006? Did it 2006. say? 2006. My first, my first symptoms were 2002. So about 20 years ago with, with blood, which of course I didn't tell anyone about. So, no. oh, gosh. <laughs> but, you know, blood in the valve movements for quite a few years. Um, I normalized that in my head. It's fine. It's <laughs> yeah, this is and then, normal, honestly, not. <laughs> <laughs> and then about 2006, I got an official diagnosis and a big flare up that I couldn't ignore. So it's been yeah. a while and it's and it's taken me 20 years to finally learn. It's OK to put myself first. It's OK yes. to take the time that I need to. It's OK. We have more on our plate than, like you said, this quote unquote normal. We, we just have more that we're up against and it's okay. It's just Absolutely. what it is. It is. It's yeah, it's what it is, isn't it? Cause are you on medication or are you not right now? So knock on wood, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> that's incredible though. That's, that's wonderful. That is really, really wonderful. So what about you? Have you stayed on medication? Are you off? Is life you're just enjoying it right now. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, it's yeah, weirdly much better. So I still rattle because I take a load of supplements. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't been on IBD drugs since September, well, beginning of September, 2019. And I think I stopped steroids the May. Yes. Yeah, so in May, 2019, that was it before my back surgery. So I haven't been on steroids. This is the longest time ever since I was very young that I haven't been on steroids. Um, so yeah, no, no drugs, no steroids. Um, but again, it's probably like a whole other podcast is <laughs> the effects of steroids on the body. And so of course, like I touched on earlier, my weight. Um, so from that and long-term steroid use, I've now got an underactive thyroid. So I have to take thyroxine every single day just to balance out my is it T4 and TH? I think they're called the hormones, the thy thyroid hormones. So I've been on that for two years this summer. Um, and then, yeah, so otherwise from drugs, nothing. And then, of course, I take, you know, vitamin D, ashwagandha, omegas, min you know, minerals, vitamins, everything just to help me. Yeah, feel okay. Because again, as you know, like with the stomach, you know, we don't have a large intestine, so we can't absorb everything. So I just try and, yeah, get as much as I can from food, but mostly and from supplements as well. And talk a little bit about the steroids, because that, that's been a big part of your journey. And it sounds like something you're kind of dealing with the after effects still, but the mental aspect of it is, I think, very difficult, um, just from the sense that I know I can relate in a way I've never been on massive steroids, um, like that, but I know I used to do fitness contests like 20 years ago. And so the dieting down process, and then you're not in contest shape anymore. Just that experience really was a struggle mentally for me to wrap my head around, like, this is just what my body is doing right now. And it's okay. So talk a little bit about because you've been a fit, active person your entire life, eating healthy, 
And so that's obviously important to you. So talk about going on the steroids and then kind of that mental aspect, how you kind of remember that this is just part of the journey that you're going through and then what you're doing to help deal with those effects now, as you were starting to allude to. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, I think weirdly the steroids and the effect that steroids have had has almost been as bad, if not worse, which sounds crazy than my IBD symptoms because the IBD symptoms, you know, we could manage with drugs and then we got better. And then of course I've had a stoma. Whereas like you said, the effects of the steroids, I are oh, the, the impact they've had on my mental health, which I never thought I'd say, cause I'm such a happy, positive person, but oh my gosh. So again, like I touched on earlier, always been healthy, always been about a size 10, eating pretty much what I want, but still super healthy, always exercised to then suddenly not change your diet or eat less, still exercising a bit, but okay, not exercising as much, but definitely wasn't a lie on the sofa kind of person, even when I was ill, to then my body go from a size 10 to a 12, to a 14, to a 16, you know, 14, 16, I was like, "Mm, okay, this is a bit mm, scary for me, but it's fine. But then to go to a size 20, like I said, I put on, 80, 90, yeah, nearly, I think it was 30 kilos in weight through no fault of my own, just from steroids was hell. Absolute hell. I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't, you know, didn't want to leave the house. So this was even like part after and during my stoma, not because of my stoma, because of my weight. I didn't want to leave the house because nothing fitted. I felt uncomfortable. You know, I'd never had back fat in my life. Um, my breasts went from a D cup to a double H, which was insane. Um, and also on that as well, I've recently just had breast reduction surgery five, six weeks ago, which the NHS didn't pay for. So again, that's, you know, a whole other story. I was, you know, battled with that, that I saw a surgeon and because of the steroids, so this was all an effect of the steroids basically is that my breast tissue had of course enlarged. And it would never go back, even with weight loss. So I was at the point where I had double H, which was like three kilos on my chest. My neck was agony. My back is still a bit sore, but it's getting better. So I couldn't exercise because my boobs were too big from the steroids. I also got plantar fasciitis, which I've had for two years because, again, I guess the weight um, from the steroids. And this is what I said to my podiatrist the other day. And you know, no disrespect. And I know there are a lot of people that have eating disorders and I, and I get that, but people that actually choose to be unhealthy, which again, I know this is probably quite brutal, but I don't understand how people feel like comfortable. I've been overweight now and I can say that, and it is horrible. You know, the effects on your joints and your feet and your neck and your back, you can't, you know, bending over to do your shoes up, you can't because your stomach's so big. It's just, yeah, it's been hell. So the steroid, which of course they don't tell you as well. So they don't tell you the effects. And, you know, and I think I got off lightly as well because I was diagnosed with Cushing's syndrome. Yeah, not Cushing's disease because that's with the pituitary gland. But Cushing's syndrome is also another side effect of long-term steroid use. 
So Cushing syndrome, you get major brain fog, you get migraines, you get this hump on the back of your neck, you get awful stretch marks, which thank goodness, because I've obviously got my skincare. I don't know why that must be a coincidence. I didn't get any, which the was- cream. Were you using your own yeah, creams? And- moisturizing every single day, <laughs> which is good. And also as well, I think another thing again, and it might be luck or blessing, whatever, being in the beauty industry for so long, you know, straight away, I knew, okay, I'm on steroids. They're putting my weight up. I'm lucky I get regular massages, you know, increase the blood flow, increase the circulation, get everything out. So I had regular massages, you know, I've just started acupuncture now because all my hormones were out of whack. So again, they don't tell you all of this. They just put you on steroids to get you better, which I get, but it's not fair that you're then left with all this other stuff. So I mean, I'm I'm down now to a 16, so it's getting better. Um, and then, like I said, with with my so I haven't been able to exercise properly prior to my breast reduction surgery because they were just too big and I couldn't do anything. But now I've been given the go ahead that I can start running again. I can start my cycling. You know, I'll be able to go to a Pilates class and not feel self conscious because I'm so big. So now, yeah, I'm just getting getting back but yeah it's it's had a massive effect a massive effect on my life yeah the steroid what kind of advice would you give to others because it's a it's a story having talked with so many people with ibd that i've heard before but it's not something that a lot of people necessarily talk about or want to talk about but what advice would you give or any just thoughts or words of wisdom would you share with someone else who might be going down that same road Absolutely. So, oh gosh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because like you said, everybody's different. And of course, I don't want to say, you know, oh, don't go on steroids and, you know, you'll be fine. Don't go on them because, you know, and I don't want to scare people off going on steroids because, of course, like I said, you know, they do get, they completely dull the inflammation. But I think my, again, my personal advice, because I have been through all this with my doctors and with specialists and I've researched all of this, so when what I learned from having the ster- um, being on loads of steroids and then getting this Cushing syndrome, Cushing syndrome is also set off um, by having very high levels of cortisol in your body, which, as you probably know, don't you? And most people know cortisol is the stress hormone. So, of course, it's what gets us out of bed and everything like that. So I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't really know much about it. So all the time while my weight was going up, Every single week I was on the scales, my weight was going up. I was thinking, why the hell is this happening? You know, I'm exercising it. I get up, I do my cardio and I'm exercising and my weight's going up. So first advice is if anybody's yeah, been on steroids for a long, long time and their weight's going up is to do calming exercise in the morning to lower your cortisol. And then if you want to do any high impact cardio to do that afternoon when your cortisol's the lowest. So it's such like such a simple thing, but I've had to work that out myself. Um, So, yeah, that would be one thing. Also taking ashwagandha, which is, you know, a a herbal supplement that has proven effects to lower your cortisol and just take the edge off. So I take that every morning. That's my other advice. Um, And then also just, yeah, keep a keep a healthy diet, because even, you know, yes, you know, white bread, pizza, 
crisps and stuff, they're fine in small doses. When you have been on steroids and you've got, no, they're just, it's not good because they just, you hold on to it. Um, Of course, drinking loads of water to flush out everything, uh, moving your body, but low impact, like I said earlier. Um, And then if you can afford to as well, regular massages, 100% just help to keep the whole body moving, keep everything like um, releasing toxins, but boosting circulation and just keeping everything moving rather than getting really stagnant. Um, And then, yeah, mental health, just, yeah, talk to your loved ones. And if you have to go on antidepressants, you have to go on antidepressants. It's, you know, that's not a failure. I went on them for six months just to take the edge off, which as well, I haven't really talked about much, but I I did and that was my choice and I'm so glad I did. so yeah, I think that's, they're my bits of advice. That's fantastic. That's absolutely wonderful advice. And thank you so much for sharing all that because it's not something that's necessarily talked about. I think in a way we're more, uh, we're more willing to share our bloody valve movement stories yeah. and, <laughs> and talk about <laughs> some of these other deeper things. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. And just like I said, I could just chew your ear off for hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of sharing your story, I want to ask you what prompted, because I've been to your website. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your business, but you also share your story on your website for your skincare. So First, what prompted you to finally begin to speak up and to start sharing your story and becoming an advocate? I think, gosh, I think it's just, yeah, from what I went through and I think like we said earlier, the the lack, I guess, of information there was back then, you know, there is now. And I just, you know, I've always been a person that just wants to help people. That's what I I love helping people and making people feel good about themselves, hence beauty therapy and skincare. (laughs) Um, And I just thought, actually, if I can share my story and it helps a couple of people feel better or gives them a bit of comfort, then that's, yeah, that's what I want to do really. So I'm, I'm very happy to share it. But I mean, like some of my friends will tell you, it's hilarious. I've had friends, you know, over 10 years, some of them didn't even know I had Crohn's disease because like they said, they were like, but I don't know, you never, you never mentioned it. You never talked about it. And then I didn't. And looking back until 2018, so yeah, good, well, nine years, I was Beth and yeah, I took some drugs and I ran to the toilet every now and again, but it just never was talked about. And it was only when, of course, I was literally like coming into work with needles in me and being rushed into hospital that my friends thought, oh my gosh, ah, okay, she's, yeah, she's quite ill. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, then I've, yeah, really been talking about it. And, you know, I'd love to write a book. I would love to write a book and share that and maybe, you know, set up a platform just to help people, you know, have your podcast on there, which would be great because then everyone would just listen to people's stories. And I think, yeah, just, I just want to help people really, definitely. Well, it's wonderful that you do. And it shows through and through. I mean, it's just who you are as a person and it's amazing. And so through sharing your story has been absolutely amazing. You're helping people sharing what you've been through your skincare. So tell me a little bit about that because we've talked about it, but we didn't say the website or what the business name is. So I know you've got some creams I've been on there, but tell me about some of 
tell me what the business name is, <laughs> where people can go, and what are some of the the products that you've now expanded into and that you have. Yeah, so I always yeah always forget to kind of mention that with it. It's like oh my skincare brand. Um, so yeah, it's called Bayo. So B A O, which stands for Beth's Aromatherapy Organic, because I think that was my whole concept behind the business was Beth, me, my Crohn story, my sensitive skin story. And then of course, aromatherapy, aroma, scent is a big thing, you know, when you're feeling rubbish and it's so nice, isn't it? To put a nice cream on or a nice perfume. Um, And then of course, organic, because I always want my products to have the best ingredients in. So yeah, it's called Bayo uh, Making Skin Happy because I can't, keep up with how many people tell me oh I love your creams oh my gosh they make my skin feel really good but you know what I feel really happy when I use them everyone seems to say that which I really love so hopefully some of me's going into them (laughs) um but yeah they do tend to kind of make people happy and like I said yeah earlier I kind of launched primarily with the face cream and the face balm for super sensitive skin, super dry skin, um, you know, beautiful morning face cream that's made up of organic chamomile water and Jehovah oil and shea butter and hyaluronic acid. And it's scented with sweet orange and neroli. So it's really gentle, but really fresh. And, um, and then the nourish, you know, that's just a balm. So again, lovely, beautiful botanical plant oils. And again, really amazing for dry, sensitive skin. I still put it on every single night religiously and I know when I don't if I don't (laughs) um so yes so they're the main products and then those aside I've got you know a nice face scrub a nice lip balm um face mist face wash and I kind of launched with probably too many products oh my gosh but um I wanted to just have like a good selection because I know again when you've got Crohn's and you've got a stoma, your skin still feels really sensitive all over your body. So yes, there's lovely body cream, body wash, and of course, all cruelty-free, no horrible chemicals, harsh chemicals in. They're all vegan, natural, organic, and they're just good for you. They're just easy, simple, you know, no marketing, anti-aging buzzwords. No, just simple skincare that works. That's what I say. That's awesome. And I can see it through you. I mean, because people can't see you on the podcast. I can see you as I'm speaking with you, but your skin is beautiful. You are beautiful. You're just, you're glowing, you're radiating. (laughs) So I'm like, I got to get some of this cream. (laughs) So, which leads me to my next question. I've been uh, wondering ever since I saw your website, do you ship only to the UK or do you ship to the UK and the US or not quite yet? Oh my gosh, I know this is this, honestly, and I so want to live in America. And I'm not just saying this, I just love America. I love Americans. Oh my gosh. Um, so, not yet. So, I'm still unfortunately just in the UK. But the only reason is, as you know, being an American, the insurance, the insurance is ridiculous. So, for a small brand, it's pretty much half my turnover of the year. Um, so insurance side, yeah, that's the only reason I'm not shipping, but it's definitely on my plan for the next kind of two years to, yeah, to come over to America and, and launch there. But, you know, I mean, I say that, but you guys, you have so many beautiful skincare brands over there as well that I just think, ah, oh, what's the point? <laughs> I'll just stay in England but then again you never know you never know so yeah oh it's just such a shame so I can I'd love to check though and see if I can actually send them as a gift to you because I would love to do that so that but yeah 
not not be able to sell them. Just like, sorry. <laughs> I'll just have to plan a trip over to the UK and stock up when I'm there. So <laughs> but if you're from England, you can buy them there. <laughs> Fantastic. Because you ship all over the UK, correct? I do. Yes. And it's still handmade. You're making every batch, small batch, wonderful Absolutely. quality control and just. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. Everything from hand. And again, I know your listeners aren't um, watching, but I mean, Stephanie can see. There's oh, wow. all my products and <laughs> like behind me, I've got boxes and boxes and packing, but yeah, I make it all, um, all in my kitchen, all, you know, all by hand, um, literally label everything. You know, there's videos on my Instagram of me physically making it. And, you know, one day I will get a manufacturer to make it, but it will still all be from hand. There's a lovely manufacturer down the road. So it's still by hand. So yeah, it's good. Well, for for the listeners who are in the UK, I will in, I will be sure to include all of the links to your website so that they can go and check out all of the products that you have. And you also shared your Instagram handle uh, with me, but go ahead and share it to our listeners. I think you have two, one for your business and, and one for you. Thank you. Yeah. So, of course, my business one is just at Bayo Skincare. So that's, of course, very skin, lots of information. I share a bit of personal stuff, but it's mostly skin. And then my personal one, which is Happy Stoma Life, is, of course, my life. And again, that's something I want to spend more time on sharing a lot more. But I think I thought about it the other day. I think because I'm better, I forget to share stuff now, which is awful. Um, but yes, you can follow all my journey and in the highlights as well. If anybody's listening that, like you said, who's going through the first stages or stoma stages, all of my surgeries are highlighted in the top. So you can physically watch all my videos. I literally document everything and you can always contact me if you have any questions. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't talk about that I didn't ask or we didn't cover that you want to share with the listeners or anything that you'd wanted to ask of me? I think I think we covered a lot, didn't we? Which <laughs> I think was really, really good. I think, yeah, no, I think we covered everything, didn't we? Just Crohn's and I mean, yeah, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, stoma, medication. And, and like I said to you at the beginning, Stephanie, like what you're doing is amazing helping people connect and share other people's stories. And of course you've got Crohn's disease, so you know. So I just, yeah, I want to say thank you so much for having me and sharing my story and, and what you're doing is amazing. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today and to hear your story and to get to see you and visit with you. So thank you so much for all that you are doing for our IBD community to share your story and to be out there and to be an advocate. So thank you for that. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohnsfitnessfood or visit my blog, crohnsfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going, my fellow warriors. <laughs>